Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? He's back to War Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello everybody and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, you ready to get raw? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome 
to Thursday Night Raw. This is the launch of our new 2023 game. It is a it is a list making game. It's another hey, it's another classic Ajax list. That's right. Uh C A L. Chris and Matt back at it again. And what we are at is making a list. I do think one thing we're going to have to make clear in this episode, our entire interview segment this episode is going to be Thursday Night Raw. The inaugural session of Thursday Night Raw, yes. Yes, and we're going to rank some things, some moments and comics that are raw. If we deem a moment to not be raw, it will not be ranked. It will not be put on the list. Okay, so you... We've said before that we're not looking for like a best to worst on this. We only want the cream of the crop, and the cream rises to the crop. Right. It's Up it's the top. This is this is a ranking of the, all the best. Yeah. So we're not gonna put. Okay. So we're not putting anything. I don't know. I think I think maybe we can put stuff on the list that drops out later. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. If I I, I think we'll know it when we see it. Yeah. I think. I think the biggest question people have with this is what the fuck are you guys talking about? Yeah. I think people don't quite know what raw is or what it means. I hope this episode brings some clarity to that. And the other thing that I hope is that the submission rules become a little more clear because I thought I was clear about the submission rules. I thought you were very clear. Only submit one thing that you deem to be raw and tell us what happens and where it came from. I think we got some submissions that maybe describe something, but then don't tell us the source. And you got to tell us where it comes from. <laughs> Folks, here's the thing. I got a spreadsheet that we're using to keep track of this. Because you know your boy loves a spreadsheet. The Sullivan Sims household loves a spreadsheet. Uh-huh. I have what the moment is, the source, the creators, and any notes. That's the information we need. Yes. So please provide that in future submissions. We'll do our best in the submissions we have. If you submitted something that does not have all the information, I ask you to resubmit, and we will try to prioritize uh, your submissions. Uh, We're going to only be doing line steppers this episode because a lot of people got in on this. I'm glad glad there's excitement. Yeah, and a lot of people have upped their patreon pledge to a line stepper level to get their thursday raw entry read so i'm even more excited about that yeah so it is it is generating buzz and we hope that uh that you enjoy it when we get to it but chris before we start ranking raw moments in comics we do have some business to take care of and i just mentioned patreon our first bit of business is thanking our newest patreon supporters that's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who they, they cruise on down Gimmick Street. They 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 ghost ride the gimmick, as it's called. <laughs> you know, you know what it's like to to ghost ride the gimmick. Uh, and if you go down far enough, you will find yourself at six twenty three Gimmick Street. And Matt, we all know what's there. We all know what's at six twenty three Gimmick Street. I definitely specifically know what's the 623 gimmick street and i'm wondering if you do i of course i know what's there right 619 gimmick street that's ray mysterious house that's ray mysterious house 621 gimmick street which is next door to that 
Kevin Nash's house. So you know it's a 623 gimmick street. Scott Hall's estate? Scott Hall's estate, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hall Hall. (laughs) It's called. That old Scottish castle that Scott Hall lived. R.I.P. to Scott Hall. Yeah, that's his place. When you go there to pay your respects, uh, you can't hop on... You can't hop on big, big sexy's Wi-Fi from the truck stop across. Why do we? Why did I do this? And why did you allow it? Admit me doing this? I don't know, but I I will say when you go to Scott Hall's estate, when you go to Hall Hall, uh, be sure to participate in survey time. Yeah, because look, we all know it's gonna be another one for the good guys and the good guys. Or me and Matt. And if you want to give another one to the good guys, you can give it to us by going to patreon.com slash Ajax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month to help support the show, help us pay those gimmicks that you've sent in the mail call bills, and if you kick in a little more, you get a little uh, you get a little line step for privileges. That's right. And that is very useful. We actually have some folks who did that, including Kyle Graber. Thank you, Kyle. Jerry Lolly. Thank you, Jerry. And Susan Cole. Thank you, Susan. If you would like to be like any of those fine folks and help us out or line step for Thursday Night Raw, you can head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and as Chris said, kick in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we do this show every week, that we do every story ever every month, that we do Comics Catch-Up, which... We will be doing comics catch up very soon. I have completed the new fifty two secret six. Oh right. Yeah. Chris, you, you should read that. Yeah. Um, I I mean like I should. It is technically one of my jobs. I I will say, I don't know if people are gonna be happy with my take on that book. Are we in an AES Matt? Another Excalibur situation. I don't know that it's that, but it, uh, I, it's, you know, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. We'll on, talk about it on, on Comics Catch-Up, as long as all of you keep supporting Matt and I doing Comics Catch-Up. That's right. Uh, movie Fighters and Snack Situation are also supported by your help on Patreon. And as a patron supporter, you get every single one of those shows, every show that we do, completely ad-free. At higher levels than the $1 level, you can get other stuff like bonus audio that we record that could be outtakes from the show stuff that I cut out that didn't fit in the episode or we went over time or something like that. Or sometimes we record stuff that's specifically bonus audio for patrons. There's also bonus writing on the Patreon. Chris has been doing a series of video game reviews there for quite a while. And uh, I've written a thing or two over there. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, that level is very cool. Line steppers get first chance, first crack at every story ever. And the annual games we play every year this year, it is Thursday Night Raw. And uh, there's a t-shirt level beyond that or a physical rewards level. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, Patreon is the place to get that stuff. And you help us out in the meantime. If you can't help us out monetarily, which... You know, we understand. It's not possible for everybody to be able to do that. You can help us out in other ways. One way 
is you can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, a five-star review would be a big help. Or you can just help spread the word about the show. Go on maybe your Discord server, not our Discord server, a different Discord server, and tell the folks there about the show or some other place that you congregate online. Even that bad website. With that, Chris, now that we've thanked our supporters on Patreon, it's time for some checks and recs. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what's going on with you this week? <sighs> Matt, I'm, I'm about to go out on a classic Ajax rant. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Get ready. Start the clock. Hang on. We, we do a lot of world building and lore on this show. What's the clock for? That's uh, that's the fucking Bill Maher thing. <laughs> okay. he's, do- All right. he's doing uh, new rules. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that I don't know that. That's yeah, what I'll I, say about that. I only know that because of a parody of that segment <laughs> that I've heard multiple times. Well, Matt, you mentioned that uh, I write series of of video game reviews for patreon uh, castlemania where i write about uh metroidvania that i play my favorite genre of game and i've got a couple that i, I still want to write about uh i've been pecking away at a couple of them there's one about uh ender lilies the quiet as the nights uh that is also about uh me being a fan of content creator jacob geller that uh is is going to come out at some point that i'm working on polishing up uh but i know it's been a while since i've written one and so i wanted to play a couple of games just kind of like get back in the the speed of things get back in that you know as as paul stanley said get back back in the metroid groove here's the thing i got a couple on on steam play them on 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 the deck been decking it been decking going deep decking Mm -hmm. all day all night Right, right. And, all right. I have a Sailor Moon tattoo. Right? I have a Sailor Moon tattoo. You would know better than anyone who would confirm the information. Yeah. I mean, I know that you do, but but <laughs> you know better than anybody. I'm trying to figure out how to say this in a way that doesn't make me sound like a real creep show. But I'm pro-schoolgirl-based media. Yes, that could make you sound like a real creep show, but yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you, you know mean. what I mean. Hopefully the listeners and anyone who hasn't just like immediately turned off the show know what I mean by that. But like why it got to why it got to be like this? Video games. I wrote a review of a game called Dead or School that I knew was going to be bad when I went into it uh and was bad, but like it, it it had the promise of something that's good. I played a game that was like really good, but like like gameplay wise was very good. It was a very fun Metroidvania. Not a lot of backtracking and kind of short. You know, I finished it in a single day. But you know, it's it 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 had some good graphics, some strong mechanics. I was embarrassed to play it next to my adult wife. Why it gotta be like that? 
Why the monster's gotta have titties like that? Buddy? I wish I could tell you. I wish I could... I honestly thought you were about to launch into a discussion of having played Doki Doki Literature Club. No. Because that game, I think... I I would love to watch a four-hour video about that game. And if one exists, (laughs) please let me know. I'm sure it does. I will happily do that. I don't think... And not because it's a horror game. I don't think I would enjoy the act of playing that game... Because it doesn't look like a fun game for me to play. It it doesn't seem like your kind of thing. Because it's no. essentially a visual novel, right? Yeah, yeah. With 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 spoiler elements. Yes. I don't know, if I'm wrong about that, and you think I would like Doki Doki Literature Club? Like I I know that it's like I know the basics of the twist, but I don't really know anything about it because I haven't watched a four hour YouTube video about it. it like, let I, me know. I always thought it was more of a dating sim. At first, but visual novel might be more accurate. I think you're probably right. Probably more more dating sim than than visual novel for sure. Um, it just like like look, I have watched a five hour video about Tokimeki Memorial multiple times. I will never play that game. It doesn't look fun to me. But yeah, like can we can we chill out? Give like I I want to like. Metroidvania where there's a like a teen girl protagonist? Hell yes. Love that shit. You know you know I like that. Do you, can you chill for five fucking minutes though? That would be my request. Can you fucking chill for a little bit? Just a little bit so it's not So that first of all, so that my Steam recommendations aren't all fucked up. <laughs> Cause now my Steam recommendations are a fucking mess. Steam's like, here's what you like, you fucking perv. And and also just like you know, chill a little bit, just chill a little bit. I've been taking screenshots of the best terrible hentai game titles that Steam thinks I want now. One <laughs> uh, one of them was just called oh where did I put it? I might have deleted the screenshot of it, but one of them was just like called Elf Sex Forest. You know what? It's as advertised. You do, you, you know, you do want to be what it says on the tin. Matt, what have you been up to lately while well, I've been frustrated by these sexy, sexy video games? Well, Chris, uh, yesterday, as of the day we were recording this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, was my wife's birthday, Marlene's birthday. Happy birthday, Marlene! I forgot to tell her happy birthday. Please tell her I said happy birthday. Okay, I will do that. And uh, we had a great day. Um, I actually worked on my birthday, but I took a long lunch break in which I drove over to uh, Duck Donuts and picked up some birthday donuts for Marlene. So we had some some lovely uh, birthday donuts and uh, also got lunch for us to eat. And then after work in the evening... We kind of just held court at a local cocktail bar that we really like, uh, Little Jumbo, and sat in the back of the room, and we told the folks that they could drop by anytime after 7.30 that they wanted to, and they did. Folks dropped by throughout the night, and we just kind of sat there and chatted and had drinks, and I drank one cocktail and then drank mocktails after that, and 
mocktails are good, Chris. Mocktails are good. I, as you know, Matt, like I'm not a huge drinker. Uh, and when AC and I go out, uh, usually she'll get a cocktail and, uh, and I always look for a good mocktail on the menu. I, I drank the non-alcoholic version of the alcoholic drink that I got at the start of the night. And the non-alcoholic version was just as good as the alcoholic version. It was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I enjoyed the night. There's a photo on Marlene's Instagram of the two of us. Uh, sitting on the couch in little jumbo in front of like some nice wallpaper. That is a great photo. Like one of the best photos of us uh, I've seen in a while uh, taken by by our friend Allison and uh, yeah, lovely night, wonderful night. And then this Saturday, by the time folks are hearing this, the show will have already happened. But uh, this Saturday, Marlene is going to have a birthday show at uh, a local venue called Story Parlor, where she's going to do improv with her uh, improv troupe family dinner. And I'm going to tell a story about uh, me and my birthday curse. Exciting. So, fun week. Fun week. Can I I just say that uh, Lil Jumbo would be a hilarious name applied to your rap career, uh, but a deeply upsetting one applied to my rap career. Chris, let's make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, I'm going to recommend a cookbook to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I I think it's good that we're expanding our interests and hobbies. I mean, we've talked about cooking on the show many times. Yes. Uh, like, now dig this. Y'all yeah. know we like to cook. Yeah, uh, but cooking, birds, knives... Nature, flowers, love it, love it all. like that in that order does make it sound like there's a bit of a survivalist prepper bent to the show. <laughs> Go bags. <laughs> Go bags. The truth about the New World Order. Actually, we do talk about the truth about the New World Order, just not maybe the one that that you might expect. Different New World Order. Yeah. Uh, what, what foods last the longest in cans? Yeah. Best bunker locations. Yeah. Stop him before that thing goes any further. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but no, I uh, would like to uh, recommend a cookbook to you because I do like to cook. And this is one that AC picked up uh, that I've been a little bit hesitant to recommend because I know there was some uh, justified uh, criticism of the author. And it is not a thing that I looked into deeply, but... I do feel like there was both justified and maybe unfair criticism of the author for some uh, things she said. Uh, but this is one of the uh, one of the people from that that halcyon golden day of, of Bon Appetit. Mm. Uh, this is the Allison Roman cookbook, Dining In. And again, if you don't care about the cancellation of Bon Appetit chefs, that's fine. But this Allison Roman cookbook does not fucking miss. Allison Roman, uh, like, this is the cookbook that has the cookie in it uh, that was featured in Bon Appetit that we have made on the show. Uh, That's all, right. All on the situation. I remember. I remember uh, making the cookie. Yeah, my favorite cookie, the uh, the 
a salted butter chocolate chunk shortbread cookie. Uh, it is in this book. And I have been making recipes for this one uh, from this one for a couple months now. Uh, since since AC brought it home, we also got uh, her cookbook Nothing Fancy, which is for um, it's for entertaining uh, groups or parties or very hungry people. Every single thing I have made from this book has been incredible. I would not be recommending it otherwise because I'm not trying to create drama or make people think that I don't care. But everything in this book has been delicious. Uh, most of it has also been very simple. Um, there are a couple things that take a lot of time because they're like roasts or, or braising meat, but nothing that takes uh, a lot of effort uh, in terms of like uh, nothing that that I think the average person who cooks a meal uh, a couple nights a week could pull off. Um, and you, I think, Matt could could really uh, knock some of this stuff out of the park. That's exciting. I haven't done a lot of like home cooking of meals in a while, I would like to get back into it. So maybe yep. this is my entry. We've been trying to get uh, delivery less. Getting delivery all the time is, it's nice to have the option if you didn't grow up with it, like I did not, but it's its not great to get it all the time. If you can, you know, unless you want to. I mean, I don't know, I don't know your life. Get it if you want to, if it makes you happy. Don't let me stop you. I just have a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you like cooking, dining in, Alison Roman, and uh, Nothing Fancy as well. I made the, uh, from Nothing Fancy, I made the uh, harissa pork with uh, chard and uh, white beans this week. Easy peasy. Took some time. Uh, so fucking tasty. <laughs> very, very good stuff. Matt, what is your recommendation this week? Well, Chris, uh, I have terrible news to report. It's it's devastating to me. I mean, Matt, you know I've got the anxiety. Uh, so as it turns out, um, the show on Home Box Office Maximum, the adaptation of the famous video game, The Last of Us, is fucking good. And yeah. I have to watch it. And I'm recommending it to everybody because they should probably watch it too because it's good. Yeah, I already played the game. I know the story. I don't want to get sucked into another zombie thing. It's going to be The Walking Dead all over again. But it's like a lot better than The Walking Dead. Like it's really well written and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like it's like an actual TV show. It's like fuck, man. I'm so mad about it. If it was like if it was like just okay, I could just ignore it, you know. But like people are talking about it, and Marlene was like, "I really want to watch The Last of Us." And I was like, "Okay, fine, we'll watch it." And I was like, "I'm gonna bail if it's exactly like the video game." But there's enough that's not exactly like the video game that it's like worth watching, and like Pedro Pascal is great, Bella Ramsey's great. Yeah. Fur infuriating. It's infuriating to me. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I know. Like, because it's good, but it's also, like, miserable, you know? It's yeah. like miserable zombie fiction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my my question was, like, 
I like The Last of Us. I like I like Joel. And I like that girl. Joel, that girl, that girl. Joel, Ellie, that girl, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie. We gotta watch out for that girl. Like I like them just fine, but I was like, do I? Is this a story I need to experience in another medium? And like, I didn't think it was. Like, I was like, I kind of got it, and I kind of got it in the medium that it was intended for. So I yeah. think I'm good. That's what I thought. That's what I thought, Chris. Yeah, I know. And then I started watching the show, and I'm like, oh, this is better than the game. <laughs> I I mean, like, well, it's... I don't... It's different, and in some ways better. <laughs> I think it's better and than the game. certainly that issue about uh, Bill and Frank, or episode about Bill and Frank, was, was better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, their whole story, like, all the changes to their story is a vast are a vast improvement. I mean, that episode is when you know it's better. Yeah. I think. But like, also like I have some distinct criticisms of the last of us as a game. Uh, Cause it is more of like a TV show or a movie than a game in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So even though it was, you know, intended to be a video game, they kind of wanted to make a TV show to begin with. So it's it's kind of better as a TV show. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I, like, I think they should figure out how to make this TV show have quick time events. Sure. I think that Press X. Press X to save Joel. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do wonder, by the time they get to the end of the season, if the story will be the same story as the video game. Because my biggest criticism of the video game is... Um, I feel like the the ending conflict is very manufactured, and I'm kind of not on Joel's side at the end of the game. <laughs> I think not being on Joel's side is the well. You know what? This is a this is a Boko discussion that we should probably get into. We should have this as a Boko discussion. Yeah. Here's what I will say. I just don't know how they fucked up Uncharted so bad, but did The Last of Us so good? It's wild. Isn't yeah. it wild? Because Uncharted, like a, like that's a sl- that's easy. That's like, I mean, so easy. It's a cast. It's it's all casting, right? All casting, yeah. Uncharted was grossly miscast. Everybody was grossly miscast. Yeah, you know that Last dude of us, hate crime. Not yeah. Spider Man. The other guy. The other guy. Last of Us is perfect. Like. Pedro Pascal as Joel is perfect. He's so good. He's very, very good. Damn. Anyway. And his rapport with uh with with Ellie, like it really comes through. They're, they're both doing a great they're job great. with that. Yeah. Uh so I regret to inform you that it's good. Chris, let's talk about some comics. <laughs> let's do it. The Texture's Choice winner this week is Batman number 132. Because, Chris, you just texted me, Chip's Batman fucking owns. Yeah, man. Here's the thing. I feel like every moment Chip Zdarsky has written as, like, a big, like, punchy moment for Batman has been so tightly narrowcast to me. (laughs) And, like, I know, look, look, Chip... Friend of the show, great dude. You know, emailed him when the run started, told him how much I liked it. He, he was very nice in response. 
love Chip to death. Chip is not thinking about me when when he's writing this, you know? But boy, when Batman went to his secret cave inside his cave to get a secret Batman who lives inside Batman, that was great. Yeah. And in this issue, let me guess. And when Bruce ends up in a, like, <laughs> Bruce, I think is maybe in hell. Possibly. I think that might be what's happening. <laughs> I th- I think he's in an alternate universe, and I think it's very specific. I think it's very specifically that for one reason that I will divulge in a minute, if you would like me to divulge a theory. Yeah, sure. But uh, I won't do that just yet. But let me guess the moment that made you go, boy, in this issue. Yeah? When he sets Killer Croc on fire and throws him out a window? I mean, that shit was rad, and that's the one, like, that pulls my favorite trick. Which is, it's the it's the Balder the Brave in in hell, tri- or you know, uh, fighting with uh, with Loki trick, right? It's the it's it, it's the trick that is pulled off so many times when you think something's going one way and it goes another way, which is when Batman gets punched by by Killer Croc and he goes, "Limited weapons, not a lot of choices." But he'll live. And then sets that mother on fire and kicks him out the window. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love that bit in the art. Um, the, the art in this issue is by Mike Hawthorne, who I think does a great job. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty different from the Jorge Jimenez art has been up to now. But I, I think the Mike Hawthorne art in this is really good. And the, the sh- going from a shot of Bruce like holding up a match, like a close up of him holding up the match to a wide shot from outside the building of Croc going out the window. Like it's like a shot from far away. Like not only is that cool as hell, it's like a little bit funny. (laughs) It's funny. And it's that like, you can hear the sound effect. Yeah. Like you can hear the ah sound effect of that panel. I oh, that's so good. I do really appreciate the but he'll live because otherwise Bruce just murdered Killer Croc. Like, yeah. <laughs> the fact that it's it's Bruce being like, I don't have a lot of options to not kill this motherfucker because <laughs> you know yeah. he's Batman. God, it's so good. Uh, but no, like what made me what made me like flip out this time was that last panel. Uh, oh, when, where, when he says, "I shall become a bat." Yeah, yeah. Where he like, which again is, it's a throwback to year one. It's a yeah. throwback to Batman four hundred four, which like was on the top of the every story ever list when we started, and is on top of the Thursday Night Raw list. Spoiler warning: as we go forward, like it is, it is one of my favorite single issues of comics of all time. And one of the best issues of Batman ever. Sorry. Kind of not sorry. But boy! Like, when that shit hits, and you're like, oh, this is like fucking To Kill a Legend, but more with Chip Zdarsky writing it. And he's gonna be Batman now? Like, he's been Batman the whole time, but now he's gonna fucking be Batman? I got stoked, man. I got fucking hype. I'm getting hype now. I'm like wanting to stand up right now. 
so I'm I'm very intrigued by this alternate universe where uh, Alfred and uh, Leslie Tompkins live together, and everybody's on Venom. Everybody's on Venom. Everybody's on Venom. And Selena Kyle shows up, and she looks like fucking Red Claw from Batman the Animated Series. I'm wondering if that's, like, I also kind of clocked that, and I wondered if that was the, the, like, if that was intentional. Because it's not like an an off-the-shoulder, off-one-shoulder, Andre the Giant-style thing, but it is an asymmetrical thing. She looks like Red Claw. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the exact costume, but boy, it's close. I feel like it's a if-you-know-you-know you know kind of thing. Uh, but here's my theory, Chris. And listeners, if you don't want to hear a theory, if you don't want to hear something that I guess could potentially be a spoiler, then skip ahead a little bit. But I'm going to share my theory here and why I think it's not hell. Because I think Bruce has to get back to his world, and he's got to bring Alfred with him, because this is how Alfred gets back. But he's not going to want this Alfred. Well, this Alfred seems pretty Alfred-y. Yeah, but he's not hes not an Alfred from a world with Batman in it. If if this guy becomes a new Alfred, I feel like that's as, that's as bad as, as where we were at with me being mad about Lois Lane not knowing who the JSA was. <laughs> Because you know, you know, if that happens, it's not nobody else is going to remember that it's this Alfred. Well, okay. So the, we don't know much about this Alfred, right? At this point, other than he lives with Leslie, Leslie Tompkins, right? Maybe we find out that this is regular Alfred. I think that and makes more sense if he's in hell. Maybe, but bruce and alfred got here like in the same way and they're going to get out the same way and so bruce is going to come back with alfred that's my theory maybe i'm uh, wrong but maybe I, so but we'll see I've, there's too much focus on alfred for it to not pay off in some way i feel isn't like. it great that after like all these years we can still read a comic where it's like i think this is what's happening i think this is what's happening and be like excited to find out yeah yeah it's 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 a rare thing <laughs> it is i like it when it happens yeah uh, next up, I wanted to talk a little bit about Lazarus Planet Next Evolution, which all the kind of one-shots in Lazarus Planet are not necessarily continuing the ongoing story of Lazarus Planet, but just sort of exploring the world of Lazarus Planet. And what this issue is specifically doing is introducing a bunch of new characters that I assume will continue to appear throughout the DC universe. So for example, the first story in here is by Ram V uh, with art by uh, Lali Kumar Sharma, and it's called the vigil and it introduces a new sort of superhero slash maybe anti-hero team called the vigil that uh, fight Jason Todd here <laughs> Mm-hmm. And get away from him, and because uh, Jason Todd kind of like rolls up onto a crime scene after it's already been dealt with, and then he meets the vigil who get away from him. Then there's a whole story about Flatline, who's got a bunch of new powers now, and like she fights Ubu and 
opens an urn that like shows her her future. That one is by Brandon T. Snyder and Laura Braga. Uh, then there's a story uh, about Amanda Waller uh, meeting up with Deadeye and Deadeye ending up with all these new powers after he fights a shapeshifter named Everyman. So it's uh, kind of... Everyman, uh, is, that's old continuity, Matt. Oh, okay. Lex Luthor used him to give a bunch of people superpowers. Well, it's that uh, makes sense then, because that's kind of... Everybody getting new superpowers is kind of the theme of these books. Uh, that story is by Chuck Brown and Aletha Martinez, and it's clearly like setting a new status quo for Deadeye as having different powers and not just being kind of like a Deadshot ripoff. Uh, and then there's a Red Canary story by Delilah S. Dawson and Brent and Stein, which is a fun time and sort of sets, sets a, a new status quo for Red Canary. Like, what it feels like is in this event is DC trying to bring up bring up the new talents. You know what I mean? And I don't mean just like new talents writing and drawing comics. I mean mm-hmm. like new superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> that can be featured in stories. Which is kind of the gimmick of Lazarus Planet, right? Because like the Lazarus juice is giving everybody superpowers. Bloodlines, so, baby. Yeah. So I don't know if any of this will pay off in any lasting way, but I appreciate the effort at a minimum. Uh, so I've, I've been liking the Lazarus Planet stuff so far. Finally, we're doing a chip sandwich in our comic segment this week because I wanted to talk about Daredevil number eight by Chip uh, with Marco Cicchetto. This is Daredevil versus Punisher. Daredevil leading the fist and Punisher leading the hand. And boy, Punisher's got a dragon. All right. And Daredevil's got symbiotes. <laughs> sure, why not? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. This shit is buck wild. You know what that sounds like, Matt? What's that? Sounds like that Marvel Comics bullshit that I like. It's, it's some massively Marvel Comics bullshit. And... <laughs> MMBS? Yeah, MMBS. And by the end of this, Punisher and Daredevil have both gone so rogue and so buck wild that the Avengers are like, these motherfuckers. (laughs) That's the end of the issue. Listen, Uh, we usually let you guys just do whatever because honestly it doesn't matter, but... Yeah. Uh, It's good shit. Chip is good. Read what Chip writes. Why do we have to tell you this? Chris, that's our comic segment, which means it's time to get raw. It is. I'm excited. Chris, I feel like we have an audience that is especially suited to be interested in our sponsor, Paperlike. We do a podcast that's mostly about comic books. We have a lot of artists who listen to the show. And the Paperlike screen protector for the iPad makes writing and drawing on an iPad feel like you're writing and drawing on paper. That's right, Matt. Now dig this. I'm a note taker. 
I'm a notebook guy. I'm a stationary guy, a pen guy. But ever since I got the new iPad with the Apple Pencil, I've loved taking notes on it. The only thing that stops me is that it doesn't feel like writing on paper, which I love. I love that feeling. It's one of the reasons that I take notes so much and write down on paper. But with Paperlike, I get that feeling with the convenience, the editability, everything that I love about taking notes on the iPad with the Apple Pencil, I get with the feeling of writing on paper, which sounds so simple, but is so very nice. And if you're wondering how Paperlike makes it feel like that, they have this technology. It's a proprietary technology called NanoDots, and that creates the natural resistance of paper while you're writing on your iPad screen. It's pretty amazing. And even if you're not an artist, even if you're just a person who likes to take notes, who needs to write things down to remember them, you're going to really, I think, like the feel of having this on your iPad. And Chris, I know you've been using yours. It was so weird when I started taking notes on the iPad, because as much as I like the convenience, it's weird to see my handwriting and notice the differences between when I have that resistance and when it's moving across something so smooth. We're we're 40, you and I, right <laughs> now. Yeah. I've been writing on paper for a long time, so it took me a minute to really get used to. With Paperlike, though, I get to just have that same feeling that feels so familiar, feels so comfortable. But I get to erase when I write a letter that looks weird, which I do in paper notebooks all the time. I can never get my B to look right. You know? My my B always looks weird. What, like, I get it right one out of seven times. With paper, like, I get the feeling of writing on paper, but I get to go back and fix it if I don't like the way that B looks. And that's nice. That's important to me. I know I sound like I'm obsessing, but that's the kind of product this is. If you are the person who obsesses over the feeling of writing on paper, like I do, then you will love it. The latest iteration of Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils that are designed for maximum picture clarity. They're not going to obscure the image on your iPad. And every Paperlike comes in a set of two. So if you need to replace it, or if you have two iPads, you will have two Paperlikes to put on your screen. Here's what you need to do. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. If you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal bra. All right, everybody. It's Thursday night, and you know what that means. Welcome to Thursday Night Raw. Except that it's not Thursday night for you. It is Thursday night for us. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're joining us. At a, we're we're travel we're all traveling through time together. At one point, I pitched that this should be called Monday Noon Raw, which would which would be good because that's when the show actually goes up. Yeah, but we recorded on Thursday night, so it, if we really wanted a deep cut reference, it could be Thursday Raw Thursday. <laughs> Obviously, this episode is going to be titled WRA is Raw. So I'm, funny. I'm reversing That's it. That's a t-shirt that I pitched, isn't it? We should probably make that this year's t-shirt. We should definitely make that.
Uh, yeah, somebody's got to design it for us, though. I don't know that I could do a a, a good Monday Night Raw. You know, I could I could do the classic, uh, classic Raw as War logo. Yeah, I could do the Stranger Things logo easy for that T-shirt, but I don't know if I could pull off the uh, classic Raw's War logo. So if somebody wants to design that for us, please do. Chris, I'm going to look up our first line separate password Thursday Night Raw submission. All right, I'll I'll try and explain a little bit, folks. Okay, what we are doing with this is we are looking for the rawest moments in comic book history. Now, if you don't know what that means, it's it's one of those things that's hard to describe because it's a feeling. And it's that feeling, it's that oh shit. Like it it just got real. It just popped off. Shit is like someone just did something so badass that I need to stand up take a walk, maybe do a push-up or two. Have you ever read a comic that made you do a push-up? I have. <laughs> that has happened to me. IRL. FR. For real. Uh, which is why for our inaugural entry, the top of the list, this is the one to beat. I'm not saying it's it's going to be the top forever. This is just the one that I think I talk about the most in my life. And that you and I have talked about a lot, Matt. And that is when Jim Gordon throws Flash the baseball bat in Batman number 404, the first part mm-hmm. of Batman year one. That's when all the crooked cops come and, and beat up Jim Gordon with bats. And then they just like leave the bat to taunt him. And then uh, Gordon goes and fucking runs Flash off the road into a tree and gets out. I'm not even looking at this right now, buddy. You just, just got it. Committed like, to memory. Memory. You know, he talks about he talks about Flass is big, has green beret training, and then says, It's been fifteen years since I had to take down a green beret, which that's new information about Jim Gordon in that scene. <laughs> that is new information. And then he goes, Still, he deserves a handicap, and gives him the bat, and then beats the living shit out of him. It is it is a shame that that Frank Miller disappeared in 1993 cuz that shit fucking owns. It's always a raw moment when somebody makes it a quote unquote fair fight. Yes. That, that shit it always strikes me as raw. Like I'm not exactly a John Wayne fan. My dad was a John Wayne fan. I got my problems with John Wayne, but the racism—that's the, the biggest one. Yeah, other uh, prejudices as well. Yes, but the thing where he tells the, the other guys to fill their hands, brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that does rule. That's good shit. <laughs> yeah, but that's the kind of moment. And like, look, is it is it the kind of lowbrow? Action movie moment. Yeah. Folks, that's the comics we like. Sorry. <laughs> so, Matt, what do we have? Now, ideally, we're, we're not... I'm not seeing these uh, before they before they come across the old desk. Yeah. But ideally, these would be moments that we 
that we have read. Uh, because they are the moments that tend to stick with us. And much like the Every Story Everlist, I do feel like there's a good chance that a lot of the things people are going to want to hear us talk about and rank and and kind of relive in these moments are going to be things that we know. Uh, That's but true. there's no guarantee of that. So I'm wondering what uh, what, what we have to start with. Well, it's if it's not something we've read, providing some context, either in the form of an issue number or an image, even better, so we can judge it kind of on the fly. Now, yeah, if you can send us the moment and, yeah. and it has enough context, then by all means. Yeah, context is going to make a big difference, but you know, if you want to send us an image of the moment and thinks think it stands well enough on their own, its own, uh, all the better. Our first submission comes from Jolene. And it is a moment from Police Comics number 21, in which the Phantom Lady, Sandra Knight, after getting into a sword fight with the Spider Widow, throws her rapier right through her gangster's chest as he was sneaking up on her. Uh, this is a Golden Age book, so yeah. this might be like one of the first truly raw moments in comics. Yeah. What happens here is they get into their fight. They're, they're like sword fighting. They get attacked by uh, the raven who like knocks them both down in a ditch. And then this gangster dude shows up and he goes, okay, girls, the party's over. And so Phantom Lady just stands up, grabs her sword by the handle. And she says, uh, she says, yes, I guess we know when we're licked, but we aren't now. And then she th- throws that fucking sword straight through that dude. Here's what's great about this is that uh the the gangster who is holding them at gunpoint is doing he's really manspreading. Uh-huh. He's got he, he's got a real wide stance and some real high waisted pants on. Wide, wide stance high pants. Uh, and he's he's saying, "Okay, girls, the party's all over." And those are his last words. Except for that motherfucker gets fully murdered. Except for ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Phantom Lady just has that dude's gun. Mm-hmm. What's great about this is that um, if you read the whole story, a couple pages later, the Spider Widow also throws her foil at a guy. And it hits him in the head with, like, the handle. Like, she knocks him out with it. So that was apparently an option. <laughs> but, but Phantom Lady was like, nope. Nope. I'm going late like, first. Oh, fuck, fuck this guy. Yeah. This is pretty raw. It's this pretty fucking raw. raw. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think this is, like, kind of prototypically raw. Sure. It's Golden Age raw. It's, go- it's Golden Age raw. In the as LP would say, it looks like a it looks like a man that is golden age raw. You know, you know what makes it raw. I think mm. is one she could have thrown it handle first and knocked the guy out, which is proven two pages later. And two, she could have just run up and stabbed him. I don't know. I mean, he's got you know he's got a gun on her. But she throws it. Yeah. 
The fa- Joseph like, Dove she- is in a ditch in high heels because it's Phantom Lady. Yeah. She, like, javelins this thing at him. And it's it's pretty fucking dope. Here's what's wild to me. I don't, like, Phantom Lady, I'm not super up on, on Phantom Lady. But Phantom Lady's power, I believe, is that she can turn invisible. Yeah, I, I mean, she has the kind of strength that is necessary to chuck a fucking fencing foil through someone's chest. I mean, I, anybody who's just good at fencing would be able to do that, I would think. But, uh, let's see. She had invisibility, but I think that's the later versions of Phantom Lady. I think that might be Stormy Knight, not Sandra Knight. I thought uh, maybe Stormy Knight. That's that uh, okay. Phantom Lady. The original Phantom Lady, the Golden Age Phantom Lady, uh-huh. could not actually turn invisible. She used a black light projector to blind her enemies. <laughs> so, so, like, made them look at a cool poster. Yeah. And and thus Steve Dick Steve Dicko drawing. Yeah. So th- she would thus become invisible by blinding people. So she didn't actually have the power of invisibility. That that came later. Well, uh either way, it is not the strength one would think would be required to chuck a fucking sword through somebody's torso, uh, which is what she does here. It's pretty good. I, it's pretty good. I, I think it's a strong opening suggestion. I don't think it beats Gordon and the baby. No, it's, it's number two, but it's, it, it makes the list for sure. Oh, yeah. It's good. I think we'll call it Phantom Lady yeah. Throws a Sword. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. We have it as Phantom Lady Throws a Fencing Sword Through a Man. Do we have credits on this issue? I mean, this is Golden Age, so there probably are no credits on this. Yeah, But it's from Police I, Comics number 21. There might be credits in the DC database, so let me... Let I'm me checking them right now. It's August of 1943, so probably not the... like The first raw thing to happen in comics is probably... Like, Superman beating that, that abusive husband up. Well, honestly, the probably the first raw thing in comics to happen is Superman picking up that car. Superman, yeah... And making that guy flip out. Making that guy flip his fucking shit? That would make the list. Yeah. That's that's demonstrable. Yeah. Uh, this uh, is uh, Frank Borth. Is, by Frank Borth, yeah. yeah. So, there we go. Police Comics, number 21. That comic is not your friend. But we love you. <laughs> that's right. Uh, are we ready for our next submission? I'm ready. I'm pretty hype about it. All right, this one is I'm, like, I'm, like I'm pretty like much in the way that Nancy versus Snowflame proved uh, the Great Indoor Fight was viable. <laughs> our very first suggestion being a Golden Age comic where someone gets impaled with a fencing sword by Phantom Lady makes me feel good about the direction we're going here, Matt. Yes, yes, I I like that it's a kind of a deep cut. Yeah, yeah, and it's not. Something that would have been a word heavy heavyweight champion contender. Yeah. Now our next one could have been a word heavyweight champion contender, but I don't think it was. And it is more of a raw moment than a good line. 
So, this is good. It's from Seth Finkelstein, whose Thursday Night Raw submission is from Daredevil, the 2011 series, number 25 by Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Solid. In which Daredevil is on the ropes with the assassin Ikari, who shares his powers, uh, reaches for a baseball bat, and Ikari replies, try the red one. That is pretty tight. That's fucking good. Yeah, I think I remember reading that one, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, Matt, about that issue, like, about that moment. Because it's not like... I don't feel like I had the moment of thinking Ikari couldn't see. Right? Well, He's got Daredevil's powers. You're you're led to believe up to that point that he cannot. Yeah. Like, everything up to that point makes you think that Ikari can't see. Because what he's wearing a version of Daredevil's costume. He has the same powers. And, you know, I th- it is. it seems safe to assume... That he is also blind. Yeah. So when he does the try the red one, it's it's a great fucking reveal. What it reminds me of is the bit in the Princess Bride, where I, I guess it's the Dread Pirate Roberts who reveals that he's not actually left-handed. Yeah, I, I know something you don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not left-handed either. Yeah. They, fucking William Goldman pulls that shit twice in one scene <laughs> with that. That's yeah. masterful, by the way. Like, first first of all, side note, yes, but shout out fucking William Goldman for the screenplay of The Princess Bride, which is fucking choice. Because he sets it up with Inigo saying, like, I'm going to do him left-handed. And you don't really know what that means yet. And then yeah. when Indigo reveals that he's not left-handed and he starts to win the fight, and then fucking Wesley reveals he's not left-handed? Fucking tight. Right. Inigo... Uh, is this you, you know Inigo is making it a ruse. Yeah. You don't know that the Dread Pirate Roberts is. Yeah. That's what's good. Uh, what what issue number is this, Matt? It's 25. Issue number 25. 25? Okay. Uh, I, I want to relive the moment. Oh, Okay. So Matt thinks he's blind. Right. Because he's he's been trying to figure out Ikari, figure Ikari out this whole time. And he's like, oh, he fights a way that is familiar to me. He's, he, sa- he says uh, that he carries his weight like a blind man. Yeah. He's, he's fighting in like the same style that Stick taught him. You know, <laughs> it's like he, he understands all the moves. So then, when Ikari says, hey, try the red one, Matt's reaction is, oh shit, he's not blind. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's always fun to get these moments from the heroes, but you need, to, you need to get them from the villains. Because you need that moment where, for you to believe that the hero is going to lose. The hero's overwhelmed. Right. Like, and this is a good one of those. Well, Man, I try, think it's. Try, I try the red one is very good. I think it's always good for a villain to have a second gear, right? Yeah. And this is Ikari having his second gear. 
Yeah. It's it's good shit. And he beats the shit out of Daredevil. He does. <laughs> like, I guess you could like, a lot of people can say that, but man, he really does go to town on him. Yeah. Uh, another interesting moment with a bat. Hey, baseball bats are great for these. I think it would be better if he let Daredevil actually get the bat. And then he beat the shit out of him. But instead, he, instead he just takes the red bat and then beats the shit out of him. Uh, I will say, the like we don't talk about this part of it, but the fact that uh, that it's a bat in in Batman four hundred four, mm-hmm. that it's a bat. Like, do you get it? Batman, it's a bat. Yeah, it's Batman. good. It's good. It's very like it's look. It's the simplest thing in the world. But like, do you get that it's a bat? That Gordon like you get it. You get it. <laughs> This this one's pretty good. Like we like again. I hate saying that. Like, like I hate being like, oh, is this better than than Phantom Lady? Because that's also good. But like, these are like some strong contenders. I don't think it's as good as Gordon and Flass. It's not as good as that. I I would maybe argue. You're gonna have to make me stand up to get me to knock that one out of number one. I'll say that for you. I think this might be number three. Yeah, I think I think it's a, I think it's a strong number three, but I think it might be number three. I I mean these are all strong contenders to get us going, and I'm really happy about that. But like, this is a raw moment in a oh no kind of thing, rather than a oh shit, I'm yeah. I'm twirling my shirt above my head kind of thing. Yeah, but it's good. Do not get me wrong. It's good. I remember being very excited for this moment when it happened. I mean, you said it and I remembered it immediately, which I think, and this is, you know, nearly 10 years ago now or no over 10 years ago now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, it was number 25, so it would have been like 2013. So maybe, maybe right around 10 years ago. Good stuff. Good stuff. Here's our next one, Chris. It's from Josh Sinison. And this I think this is the one that made me say, hey, let's do moments instead of lines. Because I'm I'm compelled to say that this is a great line. But I don't know that it's the moment. Well, that is one of the things that we are here to determine. But we you might disagree. All right. This is uh, from Avengers Volume 2, number 22, by Kurt Busiek and uh, George Perez. And it is the moment where the Avengers come back and Thor says, Ultron, we would have words with thee. I mean, that's uh, here's the thing. I think that's a better moment than it is a line. I've never loved that line. This is Avengers Volume 3, by the way. Uh, is it Volume no. 3? Oh, because Volume Two was Heroes. Yeah, here Volume Two was Heroes Reborn. Yeah, yeah, bud. Yeah, like I like this line, but it's like I, I just think the the sight of all the Avengers and Thor like all fucking battle damaged. Yeah, you know, getting ready like like definitely getting ready to beat the living shit out of uh, Ultron is pretty fucking tight. 
Uh, but like the the, I, I remember this was one that Wizard Magazine liked a lot. Wizard Magazine loved this. Yes, yeah. I this, mean, and I mean, to be fair, this is this was the reason they made a movie of this Ultron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is after Ultron killed a country. Yeah, Ultron killed everyone in a country. That's that's where uh, that's what uh, Sokovia is from. Everybody, if you didn't know that, yeah. uh, if you haven't gone back and read the ancient text from 1998. But yeah, like this whole panel is pretty fucking bad up. I gotta say, uh, cause it's, it's, it, cause it's the classic thing, right? Like you, you thought the heroes were down cause they do fight a fucking army of Ultrons. Like that's the, the, oh shit villain reveal in this story. There's is just so the, many Ultrons. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Ultrons had previously been like numbered. Uh, and so, you know, th- this was going to be like Ultron seven or whatever. And then it's just, you see like more Ultrons showing up with different numbers on their head. And there's one that's like Ultron number 146 or whatever it is. And you're like, Oh, Oh, it's 458. So there's so many Ultron robots to kill the Avengers. Yeah. And this story makes Ultron seem like a big fucking deal. Yeah. This is, this is, the story that I think is intended to make Ultron like the Avengers top, top villain. Yeah. Like didn't totally take, but (laughs) this is the, the to me, this is the Avengers story that feels like Kirby sick read like JLA, like Morrison, uh, Porter era JLA. And was like, well, shit. Well, I, I guess we need to, I guess we need to go hard then. Yeah, because it it is like, man, this comic JLA coming out at the same time, woo, woo, pretty good. Yeah, it's why so everybody this- wanted the Avengers JLA crossover to happen at this time when when both of those books were uh, at the best they had ever been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's like what's funny about this is the the fight that follows is it's good. Right? Like, it, it's a good fight. It's got, like, you know, classic Marvel stuff. You know, everybody kind of, like, rallying together to try and fight. You know, Hank Pym has to, like, flip the fuck out and, like, just just beat Ultron to death. Yeah. Uh, with his giant bare hands. But, like, once this moment happens, you know it's over. Yes. I think that is maybe what makes this moment raw, where it's, like... Oh, Ultron's Ultron had him, but now he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, Ultron's fucked. Yeah. Because yes, the Ultra, this Ultron, who I guess is kind of Ultron Prime, you might call him. Yeah. Is like he's got some of the Avengers trapped. Like he's got like Vision trapped, and Wonder Man, and Hank Pym, and Scarlet Witch, and he's like. Your friends are never coming. They're never going to get here. There are too many Ultrons. They're going to keep you indisposed for hours and hours. Keep you know they're going to keep them indisposed for hours and hours, and it's like they're never coming. And that's when Thor and Iron Man and Captain America and Firestar and Black Panther show up, and Thor says, "Ultron, we would have words with thee." Yeah, I I think that line is good. 
because of the understatement. Yeah. And it's and it's it's worth noting that like words in the original thing is is bolded. So it's uh-huh. it's it's one of those where like I can't help but read Thor having a southern accent. <laughs> where he's like, Ultron, we would have words with the Yeah, it's it's because he's not talking in Shakespeare talk exactly. Like yeah. Thor used to do. Uh it's just very like I do appreciate the understatement of it. I think it is a good line. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's a solid. It's kind of like it's not the most like super iconic badass Avengers moment, but only because I've read Under Siege, right? Where Captain America says he's going to remember it, and that shit is like the most understated and most badass. This isn't the most badass Thor saying something understated thing from like the next couple years of comics to be quite honest yeah like like the month after this thor fought thanos to the death thor okay we'll get to it when we get to it because we're gonna journey into mystery and it might get submitted for this list but i'm gonna tell you when thor is fighting uh thanos and all he says is in owl. Yeah. Buddy. I like it when he's playing Thanos and he says, keep getting up and I'm gonna knock you down again. Yeah. Whew. That's just like, badass. I I have a personal affection for those times when Thor just says in owl. I think the fact that we can like call to mind moments that we like in the same vein as this that we like more yeah means this is probably gonna go at the bottom of what we have now but it's still pretty fucking good it's still very good well, I, yeah, I, we're, we're trying to get the raw shit from 83 years of comics yes and All right. i don't want to like i remember this moment reading this moment reading this book when it was released and it was good as hell. Uh, it, it's very good. But boy, I I might be misremembering the Thor, the Thanos thing. He, this might not be the time that he says it now and he like immediately finishes the fight. But uh, what, just like Halo. Yes, just like Halo. Uh but there there's some good shit when Thor just says it now. Uh, I do like anyway, he does now. All right, this is this is going at number four, but it is it is good. It is it is good shit. We have four really good raw moments so far. It's true. Very exciting. Here we go. Next up is a submission from Patrick O'Duffy. Ah, Patrick O'Duffy, friend of the show and of us. Patrick is starting combative from the get go. Okay. Patrick says, I know y'all are going to fight me on this, but to hell with you, I'm right. You know what? I like the attitude. Patrick says, a raw as hell moment, the moment in 1992's Bloodlines slash Bloodbath mm-hmm. event, when gunfire turns mm-hmm. a series of larger and larger objects into energy guns, culminating in him into him turning into a locomotive, into a turning a locomotive into a cannon and using it to shoot a kaiju. I mean... 
I mean, that, okay. That sounds good. Except that it involves gunfire. Yeah. Like, this is, is this in Bloodbath number one or number two? Patrick sent pictures, but didn't say what issue this occurred. I don't, Matt, I don't need pictures. You know I've got, you know I've got access to bloodlines on demand. <laughs> uh, I don't know what issues it's in. Uh, it's just, unfortunately. it's, I kind of, <sighs> here's the thing. If it wasn't gunfire's power to turn anything into a gun, that would be great. Right? Yeah. But since he, like, since it's his whole deal to turn anything into a gun, I feel like just turning things into a bigger gun isn't that that great. You know? It happens in Bloodbath number two. I mean, I'm looking at these monsters fight each other right now. And I mean, it's. This is not a comic that I would say that I would call like comprehensible. For a lot of it is the problem with me. This is a Dan Raspler, Sal Valuto, Jeff Albrecht, Del Barris, Val Simkis, Tom McWeenie, uh classic. Right here, That's, there's a lot of creative teams in this book, man. Man, Dan Raspler, where's he at these days? I bet he's got some stories. Hey, Dan Raspler, come on the show. Tell us about bloodlines. I mean, I'm looking at it now, and this is kind of badass. <laughs> He picks up a train and makes it a gun, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he like he does. I mean, I feel like context is key for for these, and like that's pretty cool. Like the you know him saying never try anything this damn big is <laughs> not great, but it's like you know he did. Like, he did launch a train like a bullet. That's pretty cool. But also, Jam is in this. Yeah, fucking Jam. Fucking Jam. Jam's the pits. I mean, Hitman's in this, too. For a little bit. Riding a motorcycle. Where'd he get that? But, man. Like. I don't know, man. I don't know about this one. I mean, it's. I will say this, it's probably the coolest thing that happened in Bloodlines. I mean, I I think the worst thing about it is that Gunfire picks up a train. A train engine. Let's be clear. It's not a a locomotive, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't pick it up. He just makes it a gun. He just makes it explode, makes the, the back end of it explode so that it so that it shoots. So he shoots this giant kaiju with it, and it falls to the ground. And then people are like, oh, I think you killed it. Yeah, it it seems like it's dead. And then he gets back up. And it's not dead. And then they have to really fight it. Like, really kill it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They gotta say, say, let's mix it up. Yeah. Yeah. This thing that looks like the alien from Alien with the Cthulhu head. Yeah. I feel like it, like everybody becomes a Bloodlines Infinity Man 
in this? <laughs> That's pretty weird. Yeah. Did you remember that's what happened? Like, the, the deal with the Bloodlines characters, they, they can all become a Bloodlines Infinity Man? Yeah, and then they have a big kaiju fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, here, there's two things about this. One, it doesn't actually kill the thing. Yeah. Two, why didn't they just call gunfire to do that to everything? Like, when fucking, fucking... Calabac comes to Earth. Why didn't he get got by gunfire? That's a good question. I know why. I know why. Because it's fucking gunfire. Man, that that monster even gets birthed from an egg, like the alien from Alien. Yeah, man, it was Bloodlines. Buddy oh boy. Buddy like, oh, buddy you know, you know how the Bloodlines guys got their powers, right? Like the alien from Alien? Yeah, like they, they basically got like a face hugger. Yeah. And that gave Tommy Mono... Monahan is his weird eyes. <laughs> God, man, this is a fucking this is a fucking roster of 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 shame right here. Mongrel, slingshot, shadow strike with a Y. Crag, Argus. You remember Argus? Yeah. Lionheart, Joe Public, Geist, and Ballistic. There, like, there's nothing more 1993 than any of that. Yeah. Plus jam. Plus jam. Plus jam and gunfire. Jam Fucking jam. The dog shit worst character in Bloodlines. Oh, don't forget about Nightblade, Prism, and Loose Cannon, and Edge. Mm-hmm. Guy named Edge, Matt. Uh, on this day, he sees clearly. Yeah. I don't know, man. You knew we were going to fight you, Patrick. You knew we were going to fight you, and I'm sorry to do it. I'm sorry to do it, but I kind of got to fight you on this one. I, Patrick, I appreciate your passion. And yeah. how much you love gunfire. It's just not happening, man. <laughs> it's jams in it, man. You got you to gotta understand jams in it. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't kill the monster. <laughs> All the Bloodlines people have to join together into a kaiju monster to kill the kaiju monster. Gunfire can't do it on his own. Gunfire... Gunfire has the same powers as Gambit. And for the value of... you know, For the definition of cool that Gambit is, Gambit's cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like... We, I feel like we all went. We all used to love Gambit. I'm saying we all, but I'm specifically talking about myself. We all used to love Gambit, and then we thought Gambit was kind of bad for a while. But then we learned to love Gambit again when we wrote X Men '92. You went to therapy, and you learned to love Gambit again. Yeah. We went to therapy, and we were like, you know what, Gambit's good actually. I like that Gambit, he's from the Teams Guild. Gambit has flaws, but I can love him in spite. I can love him flaws and all. Yeah. But fucking gunfire is gunfire is shameless. <laughs> like, because he's just Gambit, and he's not even like the only guy in comics who can turn shit into a gun. Except he doesn't turn it into a gun. I don't know. I don't know, man. All right, it's our, so we're gonna call this not raw. I'm gonna I'm gonna call this cooked. Yeah. Boy. Oh boy. I'm sorry. Sorry, Patrick.
Patrick, you're, but hey, Patrick's a good guy. Uh, if you see Patrick's name on any RPG products, you should buy him. And you should okay. send him $5 personally. That's what I'll say to that. Chris, we already have our first repeat submission. Okay. Is it Gunfire again? No, this is from Steve Lee. It's Ultron, we would have words with thee. Popular one, man. I don't think we were going to like that we ranked it low on a list of four things so far. Uh, all right. Next up is a submission from Charles Arthur, who says, I am tempted to include all of Marauders number 16 in this suggestion, but I'm wanting to include a specific moment, and that has to be the moment where Lockheed bites out Sebastian Shaw's friggin' eye and doesn't even bother to eat it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty fucking good, actually. Pretty good. Marauders um, is good. Marauders is good. And Kitty, first of all, Kitty Pride getting different knuckle tattoos on her uh, resurrection bodies every time she comes back is a good bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting Kill Shaw, because Sebastian Shaw killed her, is a good bit. Punching him through the fucking door because she's Kitty Pride is a good bit. There's like 18 good things in this issue. Uh, this specific issue was written by Jerry Duggan with art by Stefano Caselli, by the way. Yeah. And and yes, this is the get revenge on Sebastian Shaw issue. And it 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 the whole thing does rule. I you're not wrong about that, uh Charles. The whole issue could be considered pretty fucking raw. Sebastian Shaw jumping out of a second story window fucking face planning and then kitty walking through his front door and dragging him back in as glob herman watches mm-hmm. it's really good well glob's like guarding the door right yeah bud yeah just like like look revenge is not in real life revenge does not offer catharsis mm, does it though <laughs> But in a comic, when fucking Lockheed comes in, bites out Sebastian Shaw's eye, and then spits it into the fireplace, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, because 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 Lo- Sebastian Shaw also like killed Lockheed. Yeah, and yeah, Lockheed tears out his fucking eye. And it's like the eye that is already swollen from Kitty Pride beating the shit out of him. Yes. So it's... Mm, it's rough. Oh, and then they poison him. <laughs> and they poison him, yeah. But they don't kill him. No. They bring him back to the Quiet Council. Yeah, that, um... This shit's pretty good. I've, I think this might be a strong number two. It's It's pretty fucking good, yeah. Yeah, I think this one goes above Phantom Lady throwing a fencing sword through a man, but below Gordon giving Flaz the baseball bat, because it is, again, this this kind of whole issue is, like, I wish you could see the smile on my face talking about it. It's cathartic. It's a good one. It's, it's, it's an issue of catharsis. After we've seen Kitty, Kitty go through it, right? Marauder's good. Marauder's is good. Marauder's good. I think it was the best of the the Krakoa era secondary X Men books. Yeah, it was it was a, a a solid one. Like 
Kitty Fried as a pirate. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Chris hate pride. Hate pride. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chris, we're going to end on a strong one. I think this is the last one we can take in this episode. And boy, this is this one is well. It'll be interesting to think about how raw it is. It is certainly a great moment. This is sent to us by Harry J. Okay. This moment was from Secret Wars Siege, Issue 4. Boy! By Kieran Gillen, Felipe Andrade, James Stokoe, and Jorge Coelho. And it is when Doctor Doom... uh, Or no, not Doctor Doom. It is when Thanos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. asks Ben Grimm... What time is it, Ben Grimm? What time Matt, is it? Matt, Matt, my hands went to the arms of my chair. I'm standing up right now. <laughs> Boy. You want to talk about some shit that, that just fucking owns Secret Wars 2015? Yeah. Whew. Woo. I, I do think I, I mean look the 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 line that we remember is what time is it right yeah but I think the context of the whole thing is what really makes it yeah because what's the how do you take Ben Grimm out of the equation like that that's that's the good shit about this is how do you take Ben Grimm out of the equation, you make him responsible for protecting everyone. Yeah. You like, he's the wall. Give him there's, too much responsibility. Yeah. There's an army of Ultrons and zombies that he's got to hold back or else it all goes down. He's got to protect everybody. He's a big man made of rocks. That's got to protect everybody. Right. That's how you take him out of the equation. Like that's like, Jonathan Hickman is Dr. Doom smart. Right? <laughs> and we know that because he came up with the plan. <laughs> like, he came up with the plan that made sense. Uh, which is that that he like he figures out how to take out the Fantastic Four. You you take Reed, you, you get rid of Reed, <laughs> but you right. make Johnny and Ben and Sue have to like you keep them busy with other things you make them think they're doing good and with ben i mean you, you said it, it's it's responsibility right because ben is the prototype marvel character he's the first spider-man he's the one who who gets it worse but has more responsibility and so that part of it mwah, brilliant genius Thanos talking him in to fucking going after Doctor Doom. Thanos giving him, first of all, Thanos giving him the the fucking speech, the hype up speech, the Captain America speech. And then, and saying, Doom has asked you to live on your knees every day of your life. He's beating you as you lie there. What do you do? You stand stand up. up. You stand up. Ingram does. So okay, we've we've said repeatedly 
that what gets us hype is what time is it, right? Uh-huh. But kind of the raw moment is when Ben stands up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because you know what time it is. Yeah. Because that's the thing. He doesn't even need to say it. Like He doesn't that, need to say it. That's one of the best things. And that happens in in movies. In, but it happens in comics a lot because comics are serialized fiction that it repeats over and over. Right? Like, you know, you 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 get to see the catchphrases, the stuff. It happens in comics a lot. It happens in wrestling a lot. Because those are the things where you kind of see the same stuff over and over and see it all play out in different ways. When you don't even have to say it, when you don't even have to say the catchphrase, when you don't have to say what time it is, because we all know what time is about to be, mm-hmm. and like you let the audience complete that, boy! <laughs> like, all the build to it, where it's Ben is like, what am I supposed to do? Right? Yeah. And... And like Thanos is trying to like get him to act, and it, and he punch like he punches Thanos, and that's when Thanos is like, "Look, Doom has asked you to live on your knees. What do you do? You stand up. What time is it, Ben Graham? What time is it?" Then there's a page of like the B plot, <laughs> Abigail yeah. Brand. Most shit's happening. Then there's that two page spread of Ben standing up. Yeah. Fucking kaiju-sized, mountain-range-sized Benjamin J. Grimm. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah, man. Here's what I love about this, is that Kieran Gillen has read Marvel 2 in 1 Annual number 7. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he knows that Ben Grimm don't stay down. Ben Grimm stands up. Oh, it does say what time it is in like the narration, but it doesn't need to say it. Doesn't need to say it. It's fucking, yeah. you know what fucking time it is. Yeah. Oh, I love that shit. Oh, I, I, boy. Th- I mean, this is the one. This might be the the most recent one that hit me like that. You know? Yeah. I don't know if there's been a comic since. Maybe when Batman went into his secret Batcave to, to get his Batman who lives inside Batman. That's he went to the cave inside the cave. The the question is, is this number one or number two? I don't know, man. Like I got I got so excited when you just said what issue it was. Yeah. Because I knew what it was gonna be. Like we yeah. like and we you know, we've talked about this. This is one that like if you and I haven't talked about it on the show, we have talked about it in our lives <laughs> a lot. And man, nobody and I'll I'll say this. Very few characters do this kind of moment like Ben Grimm. He's the perfect guy for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I do love it when he gives him that bat. I love it. But man, what time is it? it? You gotta stand up. You know what time it is. Yeah. Folks, do I need to tell you what time it is? You might not know. Because I don't know if you read... If you've if, if you've read all these comics, but do you need to know what time it is? Matt, should I tell people what time it is? You can tell them, folks. It's fucking clobbering time. Yeah, man. The fact that it is a direct callback 
almost without question a direct callback to Marvel Two and One Annual Number Seven. <laughs> Makes me inclined to make it our new number one. It's, I'll tell you this about Marvel Two and One Annual Number Seven: real ones know, real ones know, real ones know. Yeah, dog. I've I've said this about uh, the X Men issue uh, with with Captain America and Black Widow and Wolverine and World War Two. Like, if you don't like that, sorry, you don't like Marvel Comics. I kind of feel that way about Marvel 2 and 1 Annual Number 7, too. Yeah. They're like, sorry, if you don't, if you love Marvel Comics, you love that issue. I'll say that. I'll say it that way. It, I don't know how you can love Marvel Comics and not like Ben Grimm. And to me, for me, that is like the defining Ben Grimm moment. <laughs> that's which which is also true for me and we also both know that's a little bit weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not this man this monster it's marvel 2 and 1 annual number seven sorry everybody. absolutely yes i mean this man this monster is also great but yeah i would say objectively it's a better comic than marvel 2 and 1 annual number seven even yeah i mean our list says so as well but yeah. nonetheless i don't know uh, like this God, this is so fucking good, too. I'm going to advocate for number one. Here's, here is my only argument against that. And I, and I don't think, I don't mean this is a slight, and I don't think there are many people who would disagree with me. Felipe Andrade is not Dave, Mas- or Dave Mazzucchelli. Yeah, that's true. The, the, like, Thanos being kind of, like, weirdly in shadow when he says, what time is it? is maybe not quite as good as you want it to be. Yeah. Imagine, yeah. Like, imagine Carlos Pacheco drawing this, you know? Yeah, that, that would have been, yeah. Or or fucking Isad Ribic. I mean, I, this, this book is obviously going for a thing where it's trying to look kind of weird and distorted. That's yeah. why Jorge Coelho is his art is like it is in here or yeah. Felipe Andrade. Sorry. But yeah, I, I can see that. I, that, Which, that might yeah. be enough to make it not number one. I don't think this book is bad and I don't think it's poorly drawn by any means. I, I think I, I, and I think that page, like that double page spread of, uh, you know, giant size, giant size Ben Grimm. Number one, uh, is beautiful. Yeah. But I, that is what I would. That is what I would say about that. Yeah, that's that fair. The, the pacing and the storytelling and the art on Batman four hundred four is darn near perfect, as far as Mazzucchelli's part goes. But man, he does. He does. Ask him. If, Thanos knowing about Clover and Time is also very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos knowing about Clover and Time is also very good. All right, I th- I think we're I think I I was I was up for making this number one, but I think you have a strong point about maybe why it ought to be number two. I I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm okay it could, with it being number two. It's so it's so close that I would be fine going either way at this point, honestly, because it is such a good moment. I think I think number two is is where awesome. it goes. It's number two, but I think it's a strong number two. Yeah. I can think of like one 
moment in comics that I think could beat it. And I'm not going to say what it is, but I, I think it could happen. But these these are we got some good ones on here, and then one that we didn't rank. What do you think? Do you think Thanos knew about Clobber in time, or do you think he was expecting being going to be like it's time to stand up, or it's time to go fight Doom? And so or, Ben says what says what he says. Like Thanos was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what is he talking about?" Or for him to be like, "It's four thirty, four twenty, baby." <laughs> Thanos was like, "Damn, I thought he was going to blaze it." <laughs> That uh, big two-page spread of Ben Grimm standing up, though, is by uh, Gary Chu. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. It looks it's, good. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty, but it like Ben is a little off model because it's Battle World. Uh, but you know, he big. How, he big. Yeah, he big man. All right, this is number two. This is going to be number two. But it's boy, it's good. Boy, it's good. And now we have six raw moments that we've ranked. Yeah. Uh, we have six moments, and the the lowest one on the list is still probably in the top ten most badass moments in Marvel Comics. So I mean, we'll find out where it ends we'll up. We'll find out, yeah. 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 But it's, it, I, I love the way this list has gotten started. I feel like we've got a lot of room to fill out this list with some stuff that you and I are actually going to be excited to talk about, which balances out the ongoing horror show that every story ever has become. <laughs> if you would like to send us a raw moment for Thursday night raw or something to cause us misery for every story ever, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. That is also where you can let us know if you want to sponsor the show or get in touch with us for whatever other reason. Uh, you can also tweet at us at War Rocket Pod on Twitter. You can uh, hit us up on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. And we have a Discord, uh, which you have to have an invitation to be a part of. So please uh, request an invitation in one of the other places I just mentioned, and, and we'll, we'll get you one. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. Uh, so go check that out. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all things War Rocket Ajax. So if you want to learn about the show and some important details about what we do, go check out WarRocketWiki.com. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at MattDWilson.net. That's where you can find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to The-isb.com. That is uh, my website, and it's got links to everything that I do. And that's it, everybody. Thank you for listening. And thank you for getting raw with us. Yeah, thanks for getting raw, everybody. Uh, we're going to be back next week with uh, another uh, episode with a guest uh, dropping by to talk to us, one of our, our, our favorites. So be here for that. Uh, but until then, have a great week. Uh, keep, keep it raw. And, uh, and don't forget that Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. And cops aren't your friends, but we love you. We love you. Yeah!